Hello, Trek fans and uh, all the ships <laughs> at sea. We got great news for you. It's Miller time. What? 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 It's Miller time. You mean we're, day- we're getting a sponsor? No, oh. I wish. How does that song go, the Miller time? Jingle. When it's time to relax, one beer stands clear year after year. Yeah, but it should be one Trexpert. One Trexpert stands clear. Well, then you got to give me time to write the lyrics. Then, oh, okay, you have to spring it on me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Because well, why are we singing this dopey song? But it is Miller time because of Ashley Edward Miller. Ashley Edward Miller is the Miller's joining tale. the Inglorious Live 2023 tour. That's the live tour that Darren and I have uh, been on. At, uh, we're doing a bunch of conventions this year, a bunch of live uh, events, and uh, we're thrilled to say that Ashley Edward Miller will be joining us on our next stop in Richmond, Virginia on March 24th through the 26th. That's March 24th through the 26th in Richmond, Virginia uh, at GalaxyCon. And, and it won't just be Darren and me and Ashley. Um, if you failed the city, Stephen Amell will be there. The great uh, Green Arrow, David Tennant. Who? David Tennant. Who? Yeah, David Tennant. Who? Um, <laughs> Catherine Tate will be uh, his companion on the trip. And uh, the great uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Private Pyle, will be there with his uh, bald head and uh, looking very intimidating. And uh, so that's exciting. Of course, and the great. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the great Bill Shatner is going to be there. The great Bill Shatner is going to be there. And the great John Cleese. Yes, isn't that amazing? That's exciting. Yeah, as long Very as he d- doesn't do that scene from A Fish Called Wanda where he goes out the window with the Oh, I hope plant. not. <laughs> <laughs> I love Fish Called Wanda. I do Apparently, too. That movie is not as much in the zeitgeist anymore as... Archie Leach. Archie Leach, named after the great Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Yeah, I love that movie, but I guess because of the, it's the, Kevin Klein is the not Kevin Klein, uh, yeah, is the stuttering. Kevin Klein. No, but I'm saying that the stuttering apparently is oh, now made yes, that yes, movie. Yes. Uh, uh, apparently, that's a not a, a yeah, thing. That Michael Michael know. Palin and his stuttering character. I, I just think it's a very funny movie. So there it's you go. great. Uh, John Frakes, our good friend John yeah. Frakes will be there. Fantastic. Gates is going to be there. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to talk about after the premiere of uh, Star Trek Picard. Indeed. Um, Terry Farrell, who we love, is going to be there. Hopefully, we'll be monitoring. And if you missed our, our Terry Farrell panel at uh, Comic Con, I mean, at uh, Galaxy yeah, Con Columbus, Columbus. Uh, which was not recorded through no fault of our own, uh, then you really want to be there uh, for our encore uh, QA with Terry because we're going to try to do it exactly the same. We ask the exact same questions, <laughs> word for be word, like a complete encore presentation. <laughs> uh, Katie Katie Sackhoff's going to be there. Oh, that's going to be fun. She's only, awesome. Only the birds, right? Wait, only the what? Only the what did they say in Galactica? Only the wind. Only the <laughs> I don't know. What are they, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is the problem. The show's so old now. So say we all. No, they of course so say we all. But you know, nothing but the nothing but the wind. Nothing but the. I don't know, whatever. Wow, I'm completely missing this reference. I'm sorry. Uh, Carrie Jones is going to be there, who played my second favorite Wookiee. Uh, in uh, second uh, favorite Wookiee. I was going to say in the Ballad of Boba Fett. But that's what what he's called? Oh, no, no. <laughs> he played Black Chrysanthem. Oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. I, I call it the Ballad of Boba Fett. It's not the Ballad of Boba Fett. What was it called? Although that was it's the Book, Book of Boba, Boba Fett, but Book I think the Boba Ballad Fett. of Boba Fett would have been better. Yeah, that's Probably true. Been shorter. That's true. Then there's a bunch of uh, Power Rangers are going to be there. I don't know who they are. And uh, uh, Steve Whitney, uh, the Kermit the yeah. Frog. 
Um, uh, Dave Foley is going to be there. Ross Marquand is going to be from Walking Dead. And he also uh, replaced Hugo Weaving, if you remember, in uh, The Avengers. Uh, and of course, right. of course, we have uh, uh, non oh, well, super guests, super, guests. super guests, Superman. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Jeff E., Sarah Douglas, Jack O'Halloran, and my favorite, Mariel Hemingway from Manhattan. And, and uh, is Mark Bello going to be there, too? He is, Nuclear Man. Nuclear He's going to be explosive. <laughs> <laughs> and Barry, Barry Boswick's going to be back. Okay, nice. well, listen, this is a long promo. This is a long promo. You know, normally promos are supposed to be like 30 seconds, but we just couldn't help ourselves. We're excited. Don't blame we're, us. We're excited. The Inglorious Live Tour has been a hit, and it's going to continue at Richmond, Virginia. So we hope we'll see you there at the end of March. And uh, if uh, that's not convenient for you, we will be heading to Raleigh, Virginia, Austin, Texas, and, of course, San Diego Comic-Con later this year. So uh, hopefully we'll see you at one or more. I think it's Raleigh, North Carolina. What I say? Raleigh, Virginia. Oh, yeah, it's, it's North Carolina. What are you talking about? It's North Carolina. Jeez, man. It's not even it's not even late. I don't have an excuse for it. There's no excuse. So if you want more information on these and many other fine shows, go to galaxycon.com, galaxycon.com, and uh, we hope to see you there. Mark A. Altman, Darren Doctorman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek, and Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is the 430 movie. Welcome to the Plays the Thing week. The Plays the Thing. Is this a <laughs> is this a week about Shakespeare movies? No, it's a week <laughs> of movies adapted from plays. And to tell you what you'll be watching are your favorite 430 movie hosts and me. Um, we have <laughs> on Monday none other than Stephen Melching. A horse, a horse, my kingdom. On a horse. On Tuesday, it's Darren R. Doctorman. I'm suffering slings and arrows as we speak. That's outrageous. <laughs> On Wednesday, it's none other than Ashley Edward Miller. Uh, Exunt Hamlet. <laughs> and on Thursday, it's me, Mark A. Altman. And as always, we will be curating a fantasy theme week of classic movies based on this week's theme, which is, of course, the plays the thing. It's movies that have been adapted. 
movies. It's plays that have been adapted <laughs> into movies, not movies that have been adapted into plays, although you could do a whole show just on that these days. That's true. Apparently yeah, every do. new play is based on a movie because uh, good ideas are exhausted. Could you imagine Death of a Salesman being done now? You know, No, they, people don't do this. It's like instead we're doing Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> Arthur Miller's Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. You know what? I would watch Arthur Miller's Spider-Man. I can tell you. <laughs> you know, Peter Parker was liked, but he wasn't well-liked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Attention must be paid. <laughs> Clifford O'Gatch, the Avengers. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's the play's the thing. <laughs> Bravo. Tonight, the play is the thing. <laughs> uh, I guess if either one of us has something to show the other one. You know, I have to say, I know you were talking about Ben Grimm, the thing, but how yes, great but would a play be based on John Carpenter? That would be awesome. You could yeah. do it. You could totally do it. Let's stage it. Oh my God! Could you imagine with the practical effects? But it's all in one place. Totally. You would just it would build work. Fantastic. To tell you oh my God! Thing. Can we do this? It's can we, basically, can we... it's basically moment shots. <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta have Keith I David play this. They play the role because he's such a theatrical actor with that voice and everything. So Keith David will come back as Charles. No, hell yeah. Do it on Broadway. And Wilfred Britt. No. Oh, oh man. And you know who I did see? Um, Donald Moffat. I saw do Shakespeare in the Park and Titus Andronicus. Yeah. And he was also in the Logan's Run, the TV series. Yeah. So. No, I know it's Rem. But what I'm saying is it ties into this week is what I'm saying is that yes. I saw Donald Moffat from The Thing. I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a question before we get into curating our, our 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 new week of exciting 430 movie uh, uh films um you know there are so many movies that have been turned into plays but any plays that you've seen that you've loved that haven't been turned into movies that you think would uh, make great movies darren uh the only, i haven't seen many stage plays believe it or not but the ah. ones i have 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 been turned into movies i saw uh the importance of being earnest and i saw the magic show back in new york oh with doug Henning. <laughs> yeah. um yeah i don't know i i have i have a couple of picks tonight that uh that are are really good representations of this, but I I don't know if I can choose. It's just uh, okay. it's one of those things. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Any any plays you've seen that you felt didn't uh, you'd like to see uh, made as movies, adapted as films? I, I I also haven't seen a lot of plays, although I did see a production of Enemy of the People uh, about I don't know twenty years ago that starred mm. um, oh my god uh, Gandalf. Oh, Ian uh -huh. McKellen. Ian McKellen on, uh, down at the Ashley's forum, friends. Taper Forum. Ashley's friend. And uh, he was great. I, I still remember uh, one of his big quotes. That man is drunk on Bavarian beer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was a, it was a good play. And what it. about you, Ashley? Any, any plays you feel like uh, uh, haven't been adapted as movies that maybe would benefit from the, the cinematic treatment? Yeah, you know, uh, when uh, when we were in London... Um, we went to see a play, uh, the, the last night that we were there was really great. Um, it was about a, uh, this, this teenager, uh, who travels back in time 30 years 
meets his parents. Uh, it's it's really terrific. It's called Back to the Future, and it is just <laughs> it is just it is the thing in London. Right? Not like the thing is in John Carpenter, but like but it's it is really a big thing, like in uh, in London. How right is, how is the play? A terrific film. How is the play? It's actually fantastic. It's oh, that's amazing. Great. And the DeLorean is just, it's unbelievable. Like they actually yeah. like fly it out over the audience. Part of me is like, what happens if the people breaks? People but die. People die. It's does it work hard. without, uh, does it work without Huey Lewis? It, it does. Okay. We got, we got the news right there. Mm, Back yeah. to the future. It's but amazing it how this better. stuff doesn't travel across the pond in the sense that, like, I hadn't even realized that it opened and that it was the, the, the hit of London. But, you know, yeah, here you true. were there and you're telling us that people love it. It's totally terrific. So, they, yeah, they have a, great. they have a bigger, uh, theatrical tradition than we do. So yeah, it's kind of true. understandable. Yeah. Well, I think most, I think most of the plays I've seen were when I was in England and <laughs> when I was in London. <laughs> it's mm, all well, unlike you guys, I'm from New York, so I've actually seen a lot of plays, so I can answer my own <laughs> question. Um, I, a couple of things. I absolutely, I can't imagine. There's this wonderful play that I saw with James Naughton and the great Renee, late, uh, great uh, Renee Auberjonois. Um, probably, be, I loved it because I'm not a big fan of the musicals. And I'm not a big fan of, I'm not really a big fan of plays, to be honest, but I, I, this was a, probably because it was based on the movie industry. Well, two, two of my picks are based on the movie industry. One was City of Angels, which was basically right. a film noir, uh, uh, musical. And it was great because the, the movie within the play, which was a noir, they did in black and white. And I have to say, James Naughton, who, you know, we all know and knew from Planet of the Apes, the TV series, but Renee Auberjonois played basically an uh, Irving Selznick kind of character, uh, Irving Thalberg kind of character. And, um, uh, he was phenomenal. This is before, long before he played Odo. I, I love it. I was just listening to the soundtrack the other day. Um, and I, I just, I can't believe that has been turned to a movie because it had a, a book by, um, um, I forget who it was, Cy Coleman, you know? So it just seems like something that would be adapted. And then another, I, I saw with the original cast, Speed the Plow with oh, Adriana, right. Ron Silver, and Madonna. And I, I by wow. Mammoth, I loved yeah. it. I, I mean, it was like, uh, you know, because that was like the hot ticket. I don't know how I got tickets back then, but um, uh, I, I, that's another play that I loved that they never adapted into uh to a movie and That's um, surprising they never they never did that yeah i i don't know because i think people had really mixed feelings about the play and again it's like plays about the movie industry you know those movies about the movie industry traditionally don't do well to wit babylon um so i think the movie industry tries to steer clear of like sort of movies about the industry um although we did a great episode in our first season called um uh films about filmmaking and um that was you remember great, that uh, yeah that was a great episode we did. Um, so if people haven't heard it, they should go back. And I have to say, um, this is the, the 430 movie, so grateful to our listeners because um, we really, uh, you know, um, seen amazing uh, list. I was not viewership, but listenership <laughs> growth. Um, the, the podcast is doing really well. And it's funny because Trexperts came out of the box immediately as a huge success. And I think because obviously there's this built-in fandom for Star Trek. Um, Fourth Three movie, you know, always did well, and it was always steady growth. But coming back from this hiatus, 
like we're, we're you know we're doing great with 430 movies so thank you to all our listeners for so you're uh, saying we should concentrate more on the movies i love doing this show i think we all do and i think it just it i, I can't say that it shows but it sounds um you know it's just it's I, I, you know, I love like just sort of sitting and listening to these episodes with Caden and it just, it works, man. It's yeah, fun. I, no. I think the show is basically a recording of a conversation we would have over dinner. It's like, oh, yes. wh what movies have you seen about plays? You know, they're based on plays. <laughs> like, oh, I really like this one. Oh, I <laughs> I'm a completely uneducated boob. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I have to mention two other plays that I think would be great. Or at the time, at least I love the plays, which was um, Larry Gelbart wrote a um, satire of the Iran-Contra hearings called Mastergate. And it's oh. a really funny, it was really well done. In fact, at the time I was an assistant at a talent agency, I discovered Wayne Knight. So um, and I said, oh, this guy Wayne Knight, who's fantastic, you should sign him. Hello, and, Newman. Uh, yeah, and uh, and uh, so um, he uh, and it's funny because he, I don't think he remembers that because I saw him many years later. He says, "Oh my God, is Mark the Star Trek guy?" And I was like, "Wait a second, he didn't remember that I found him in that play." He but he did remember. He he apparently is a big Star Trek fan. He was like, "Oh my God, you're the big Star Trek guy." So Dotson's here. Dotson's here. Yeah. And the Nobody last cares. the last thing I would say is. Um, which this was a real treat for me. Um, Patty Chayefsky's The Tenth Man. It's um, about these guys who are trying to find a tenth man for a minion, which is in Judaism, you need like 10 people to start to have a prayer circle. But it's about, uh, and then this guy comes in, he says, his, he thinks his uh, daughter's been um, possessed by a Dybbuk. And um, and uh, it's, it's really great. But the thing that was the best about it was the lead, the rabbi, the main guy was played by Joseph Wiseman, Dr. Oh. No. So oh, wow. like that's why I went to see it, you know. I'm like, oh, and, and I just, I what a great play, and you know, it's Patty Chayefsky who's just brilliant, the writer, you know, Network, and so many great, uh, so many great movies, and um, uh, you know, obviously he was a playwright before that, but um, but it was so amazing to see Joseph Wiseman, um, uh -huh. uh, 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 on stage, you know, and and he was, was he, he was great playing a stupid policeman. <laughs> <laughs> no, not 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 at all, not at all, I, but. Go I just ahead, thought Steve. of a play that uh, I haven't seen it, but I've read it. Uh, I, I didn't see a, a production of it. I, uh, Sam Shepard's True West. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, which I saw uh, American Playhouse on PBS uh, showed it back in, in the 80s. And uh, the, that production starred John Malkovich and Gary Sinise. Yep. And it really made an impression on me. But that was just, you know, a, a filming the play on mm -hmm. the stage. It wasn't right. a, a filmic adaptation. Yeah. Um, but I, I always really loved that play uh, to the point that I directed a scene from it in one of my uh, directing classes at USC. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. cool. Because there was a time I was trying to think of True West was adapted as a movie, but you said they, fi they filmed it on, on stage. That's on interesting. Stage, yeah. Because I remember Robert Altman did a bunch of Sam Shepard plays, like Were Come they? Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean. Were they um, at Steppenwolf Theater at the at the time? Um, let me let me let me take a quick look here. Because uh, uh, I I got to visit computer. the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago and saw Gary Sinise and uh, and uh, uh, Malkovich uh, live uh, doing of Mice and Men. Oh wow, that's great! Which, that was adapted as a movie. It, I, it, I, two movies actually, or th yeah. three? Is it? I believe it was uh, 
uh, done at Steppenwolf. Yeah, cool. That was uh, an incredible experience because uh, no one, well, at least uh, no one in the general public, knew who they were. But uh, mm. I remember them when I started seeing them show up in movies. I, I think one yeah. of the reasons I, I don't like plays or didn't like plays that much was because I always found in college the theater kids were pretentious and annoying. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but only the untalented ones. Yes, that's true. That's true. But then and, after they get out of college, they throw the best parties. Ah, yeah. And, okay. And the actresses are irresistible. <laughs> well, <laughs> you must resist. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the uh, you know, um, also I saw a lot of Shakespeare in the park, which was always great. The public oh. theater would do Shakespeare for so for many years. So a lot of great shape. And they would always get these you know great actors to do it. It was it was it was it was fantastic. So but we've done a Shakespeare guy. week, the Shakespeare guy. But this <laughs> week is all about. Plays that have been turned into movies. And of course, we're going to start, as always, on Monday with Steve Melching. What's your pick for the play is the thing week? <laughs> well, as usual, this was a very difficult uh, decision because there have just been so many plays that have been adapted for film. And I was making a list of them and I, I had kind of forgotten that some of these amazing movies uh, began as plays because they, I, I always thought of them as films and they're very. So many of them are very cinematic. They don't feel stage bound. Some of them mm. do, um, but some of them don't. And um, I, I thought I knew right away what my pick was going to be. But as I thought about it more, I ended up changing my mind. Uh, so, so my pick is a, a film from 1988 mm. uh, based on a play from 1987 written by Eric Bogosian. Oh, uh, it mm -hmm. was a uh, kind of a long one act play. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Oliver Stone uh, had some downtime uh, between Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July and wanted to make a movie because Tom Cruise ha had been cast in Born on the Fourth of July, but he was busy making Rain Man. So uh, Oliver Stone uh, had had read had seen, a, I think he'd seen a production of talk radio and liked it and um teamed up with Eric Bogosian to adapt it into a screenplay, uh, incorporating elements from uh, 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 a book called Talk to Death uh, about the assassination of Alan Berg, who was a uh, radio talk show host in Denver in 1984. And um, it turned it into the film of talk radio. country is rotten to the core and somebody better do something about it. I want you to take your hand out of that bowl of Fritos, throw away your National Enquirer and pick up the phone. Go ahead, pick it up, hold it up to your face and dial 555-TALK. Open your mouth and tell me what we're going to do about the mess this country's in. Talk radio. It's the last neighborhood in town. People just don't talk to each other anymore. Let's go to the first caller. Uh, Night Talk, Agnes. Yeah. I love Lucy. Now why don't they make more of them? Those shows are ancient, Agnes. Lucy Obama must be at least 105 years old. The rest of the cast is dead. <laughs> Barry Metroid is going to be picking up the show starting Monday night, linking to a national theme. We have a very special guest with us. Kent is the classic American youth, energetic and resourceful, spoiled, perverse, and disturbed. Would you say that's an accurate description, Kent? Hey, Bells! 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 Barry, you should ask me if you want to have a guest on the show. Why? Because I'm the boss, Barry, that's why. 
nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, and um, I think Oliver Stone, it was kind of a, it was a low budget film. I think it cost about $4 million to make, uh, filmed in Dallas and uh, took place in Dallas. They, I think he reset the play from, or the movie from Cleveland to Dallas. And um, he used his um, his team from Born on the Fourth of July that was sitting around uh you know, waiting to make that film, his DP, uh, Robert Richardson, who was his DP on all of Oliver Stone's films from Salvador to U-Turn, like all of those films. Um, and uh, his production designer, Bruno Rubio, uh, his editors, uh, David No relation Brenner. to Kevin Rubio. <laughs> no, <laughs> Rubio, uh, David Brenner, no relation to comedian David Brenner, uh, and Joe Hutching. Um, and his producer, his longtime producer, Ed Pressman and A. Kitman Ho. The and, late Ed Pressman, who yes, passed away. He just died. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought he did a really uh, tremendous job of taking what was essentially, you know, a monologue, a long, lengthy monologue, and opening it up to some degree by adding some flashbacks, adding some scenes that took place outside uh, the radio studio. Uh, he split it up. Uh, so it took place over two nights instead of a single night and uh, just used every trick in the bag uh, of uh, in the photography using really bold colors, using a lot of extreme close-ups, a lot of crazy camera moves, uh, uh, reflections in glass, um, and um, to, to really try to make this play cinematic in, in a way that it might not be otherwise. And um, Wow. Yeah. What a great pick, Steve. I got to tell you, I love that movie. I haven't seen it since it came out. I remember oh. Stuart Copeland did the score. I remember Eric Bogosian was great in it and Oliver Stone. I love that movie, and I haven't thought about it since. And uh, what a great pick. It, you know, I, I briefly thought about it for this week, and then I was just like, I, I had nothing to say about it because I didn't remember it. <laughs> but I'm going to have to rewatch it now because I remember how much I liked it. It all, it was one that always stuck with me and uh I would revisit it every few years and uh not too long ago there's a there's a nice blu-ray edition out mm. that I that I revisited this last week and uh yeah it's good. Cool. And Bogosian I mean at the, at the time this was made you know it starred Eric Bogosian uh, uh Alec Baldwin the Mark, the Mark Marin of the 80s. Yes. Oh and Bogosian had not really this was his first big role yeah. uh in a, in a film and uh same with Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin had done a handful of films, uh, you know, Beetlejuice and um, uh, uh, and for Red October. The Red October. And was you know after. what? I had oh. seen him on Broadway in Prelude to a Kiss. 
There you go. He had, he had a work, working girl married to the mob. Um, so he had, Baldwin was just starting right. to uh, to working. break out of television and, and theater uh, into some some starring roles and some supporting roles in films. This is another supporting role, obviously. And then Ellen Green, who we had yep, seen right. in um, Little uh, Shop, a little, another adaptation, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, uh, John McGin- John McGinley, who was in yeah. the stage version of Talk Radio, uh, reprised his role for the movie. And and of course Michael Wincott, who in a yeah. sort of a scene stealing role, Wincott. <laughs> as this stoner dude who comes on to the show. Now you you no mentioned Talk. You mentioned Little Shop. That doesn't count because it was a movie first. Oh my no. God! You're oh right. yes, you're right. Oh my God, that's true. I wasn't even thinking about the Corman version. Yeah. Wow. That's a good call by Darren. He's, he's right. Little Shop is not eligible. Nope. And it's funny because I had thought about it. I had seen Little Shop off Broadway. It was yeah. for my birthday. My parents took me and a bunch of my friends to see it for my birthday as a kid and kid, teenager, whatever. Yeah. And I loved kid. the play. Um, I loved the play. I liked the movie, but um, uh, and I had thought about it for this very show, but Darren is a hundred percent right. It not is a eligible on a movie. It's not eligible. Get your thoughts away from that now. So forget <laughs> Frank Oz. Sorry, man. Sorry. Return to Oz. Uh, yeah. Going again, Ashley, you, you a fan of uh, talk radio? I love talk radio. By Gotti, uh, by golly, I uh, I don't know. Why would you even say Gotti if you had like a golly? But <laughs> yeah. actually, I think it's actually a, a great movie. I remember I had, I had the same experience you did, Mark. It's like I saw it, I loved it. I didn't watch it again, um, but like hearing Steve talk about it makes me want to go and watch it again. Um, it was just it was it also sort of captured a very particular moment in time. You know when shock radio was a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and so it was very much like of that time. But I feel like the the characters were just so well drawn um, that it didn't depend on you know being familiar with that whole phenomenon to to work. Yeah, that's a great you, like, point. Bogosian's final monologue—he's just electrifying. You know, it's held in this this one you know this lengthy take, and it's a big close up, and he's really incredible. You know, it's a great point you make too, um, Ashley, because shock radio was such a big mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it was um, Howard Stern at, at the height of his popularity, where he was just huge, and he, you know, he did his biography and all. But every market had one of those, had a, a Howard Stern. Every radio market there was, and it was Don Imus, and there were all these people. Um, it was it was a huge thing. So, I mean, this really, I think, you know, resonated, and um, uh, and it was interesting because in a way, it was sort of Oliver Stone's After Hours, not. <laughs> anything like after hours but like he was coming off huge movies and right. then doing like this so, sort of small low budget uh, kind of thing the same way that Scorsese came off of you know New York New York and then did you know after hours so um which is Scorsese's was, was, after hours yeah and then he went <laughs> off yes thank you and then he goes off and does as you said uh born on the fourth of July which was a huge movie so um really great pick Steve great way to start us off yeah um, and then that brings us to Darren on Tuesday. It does. Um, I, I've gone through like six or seven candidates for this pick. Darren, and it's a tougher week than it, it it's sounds, It's really right? tough because, you know, I wasn't eliminating musicals mm-hmm. uh, uh, until I realized I have to eliminate musicals because <laughs> uh, 
it's just one of those things. There's just too many. Um, so I boiled it down to a couple of them. And I decided on this choice because it was the one that uh, is uh, sort of the most fun and is sort of, it's sort of out of the box because this play is sort of like um, the closest, uh, the closest match I can come up to is back to the future part two. Mm. Because Which is this, now in England. That's right. Oh, I think I know where you're going. I think I know where you're going. I will say that play does not end with Marty. There's a problem with your children. Why do you all turn into assholes or something? That that does not happen in the play. Anyway, go ahead. They were already assholes. Um, (laughs) My pick uh, was originally a uh, first staged in 1966, and it is sort of a a fan production of a Shakespeare play, Mm. and it is Tom Stoppard's. 1990 version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Welcome, dear Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Something have you heard of Hamlet's transformation? Sit nor the exterior nor the inward man resembles that it was. Heaven make our presence and our practices pleasant and helpful to him. Aye. Amen. I want to go home. Don't let them confuse you. I am but mad north northwest when the wind is southerly i know a hope from a handsaw exactly exactly what exactly why exactly why what what why why what exactly why is he mad i don't know (laughs) will you walk out of the air my lord into my grave indeed that is out of the air glean what afflicts him me him how question and answer so your uncle's the king of denmark that's right and my father before him. His father before him? No, my father before him. But surely you may well ask. Your father, whom you love, dies. You were his heir. You come back to find that Hardy was the corpse cold before his young brother popped onto his throne and into his sheets, thereby offending both legal and natural practice. Now, why exactly are you behaving in this extraordinary manner? I can't imagine. at your command. We can do you rapiers or rape or both. We're still finding our feet. I should concentrate on not losing your head. I like him not. Therefore, prepare you. I, your commission, forthwith will dispatch, and he to England shall along with you. It is an exact command from the King of Denmark for several different reasons, importing Denmark's health and England's too, that on the reading of this letter, without delay, I should have Hamlet's head cut off. I could jump over the side. That'll put a spoke in there, Will. Unless they're counting on it. I should remain on board. That'll put a spoke in there, Will. My name is Gildenstern, and this is Rosencrantz. I'm sorry. His name is Guildenstern and I'm Rosencrantz. We aim for the point where everyone who is marked for death dies. Who decides? It is written. Audiences know what to expect, and that is all they are prepared to believe in. What are they? They're dead. (laughs) Wasn't that the end? Do you call that an ending? With practically everyone still on his feet? My goodness, no. Over your dead body.
Very good. Steve. See, I didn't think you were going to say that again because you said it two, for two seasons ago. But you I, know, I didn't I, think you'd go there again. I, I did because my other two choices I have picked as well. So oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll mention them for Friday. But uh, but this is really a a really fun movie. Uh, Gary Oldman and Tim Roth uh, are uh, luminous in it, mm. uh, and actually, so is Richard Dreyfus. Uh, playing sort of uh, off uh, off type, um, only slightly whiny, uh, but it's uh, it's so well done. I mean, the the play sort of weaves these uh, two uh, tertiary characters from uh, Hamlet uh, into an adventure on their own, and uh, sort of plays uh, against your expectations uh, if you're at all familiar with uh, Hamlet. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are two friends of Hamlet that. Uh, they send away on a boat to never be heard from again. And then uh, the famous line is uh, uh, a, a messenger comes in and says, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Uh, this take uh, takes those little characters and gives them a little adventure that they go on. Uh, and they interweave with familiar scenes from Hamlet uh, and uh, they uh, listen in on some other ones and uh, they have a, uh, a fun little uh, uh, romp uh, while Hamlet is going on. And it sort uh. of re reminds me of the time when Marty uh, the McFly was behind uh, the stage looking at himself playing uh, the guitar uh, for the fish under the sea dance. Um, it's, uh, it's extremely well done. The actors are amazing. And, uh, but I love the, uh, I love the concept of this, uh, because it's sort of, it's playing with your expectations and switching them around a bit and mm. making things work within the structure of the existing play. And it's so much fun, uh, especially if you're, you know, moderately familiar with Hamlet, it's, uh, it's even more, uh, enjoyable. Uh, mm. but, uh, the stop art of course is, uh, a, a master uh, uh, writer and playwright. Um, and uh, he directed this film and he did a, a great job uh, at that as well. So I uh, highly recommend Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <laughs> I, I second that emotion so hard that you took mine. Um, really? And, uh, no, but I'm glad that you did. I'm glad that you did. Like, I, I love this movie. The dialogue is just, love. you know, yeah. as I, I remember loving this movie so hard that when I learned that Tom Stoppard did a dialogue pass on Attack of the Clones, that it might actually be good. Uh, even he, uh, and so even he was, with his was, great skills, couldn't do uh, anything. He wrote so my favorite scene in, 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 in the whole prequels, that scene in the opera between the Emperor and, and, and uh, what's his name, Anakin? That's my favorite scene in the, in the prequels. And not, Tom Stoppard wrote that. Not no from a but playwright. I, lo I love those characters. I mean, especially in the context of that play. And it's it's interesting. It's like, I like to think of them as um, they are the Jules and Vinny of him, <laughs> right? They've got a very don't specific job. I'm drinking water. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> so, but they kind of are. It's like, I mean, look, Claudius summons them. He says, look, you two clowns, you're pals with Hamlet. Um, I want you to go with him on his trip to London. And I want you to, like, carry this letter. And the letter mm. basically says, you know, fucking kill Hamlet for <laughs> me. Well, kind of telling them, yeah, I think he's feeling a little bit under the weather. Kind of figure it out. These two knuckleheads, like, now, 
Shakespeare never says one way or the other if they actually know what their mission is. Right. Um, but the fact that Hamlet, like his childhood friends, like, but they would totally be in stormtrooper outfits. They would totally be. (laughs) They were made today. (laughs) He just, he rewrites the letter and they're screwed. It's like, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. It's just so like, it is, it's, it's just, it's on every level. It is banal. It is absurd. And yet at the same time, like when you watch it, you know, in this play, which should not work, it works brilliantly. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just as like events swirl around these guys that they have no clue. None. They are oblivious and it's fantastic. Yeah, that yeah. was your pick for Shakespeare week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and uh, a great pick, obviously. Uh, another great uh, play. I, it'll be interesting if there's any other Shakespeare. I tried to avoid Shakespeare just because we did a Shakespeare week, but maybe uh, Ashley will have uh, the, the bard will make an appearance. I don't know. So uh, that brings us to Wednesday. And the question is, what is the shape of the box? Is it going to be in the box? It could be out of the box. It could be out of this world. We don't know. Because All I can actually, tell you is Gwyneth Paltrow's head is in it, and it smells like it. No. Oh. Seven the musical. <laughs> oh, It smells like it's like goop um, or whatever the hell that crap is. The Muppets uh, do seven. Now yeah, that would you know be what? great. That would be fantastic. How great would that be? And it'd be very easy to put the head in the box. So Miss Piggy is Gwyneth Paltrow, right? Now and then, in the box. You open the box. Kermit, ah. Kermit is Brad Pitt. So and then who's Morgan Freeman? I, I think Fozzie is Morgan Freeman. Fozzie is Morgan Freeman. Yeah. You wake mm. up in the morning, you're masturbating in your own feces. And then wow. okay, here, crazy. So so here's the question. Who's yeah. who's um, Kevin Spacey? You mean John Doe? Kevin, uh, John Doe yeah. is actually Kevin Spacey. He's the guest star. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> I, but, I, but he's canceled. How can we get him in the Muppet movie? I don't know if we could do that. So, The Muppets I'm, can I'm bring sure back anybody. I'm sure he's a veil. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so, um, so, so let me see if I have this right. It's Kermit, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear. You don't think Gonzo is more uh, better for uh, Morgan no. Freeman? Maybe not. No. Okay. Actually, Gonzo, then, should, Gonzo should be... Uh, uh, John Doe. John Doe. Yeah, Gonzo right, would be a good John Doe. <laughs> He'd be a good John right. Doe. And then you know, um, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> I think David Fincher should direct it too. Sure, why not? David Fincher's <laughs> The Muppet Seven. Oh my god, be awesome! Darius Conji will shoot yeah. it, and 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 uh, this is this is a great this is a great idea. This needs to happen. Count von Count can uh, can introduce the title. Seven deadly sins. I love it. <laughs> okay, Ashley, you, you're going to name a movie. <laughs> yes, in fact, I was. Uh, so yeah, so I mentioned that um, I went on this trip to London uh, over the the Christmas holiday. And, uh, you know, I spent, I didn't go see a ton of plays. It's not like I went and just kind of did that. But I, I, you know, I saw like, um, I saw a couple of things. Um, I saw like some really interesting um, historic theaters, uh, some of which hosted some things that maybe we'll talk about uh, on Friday. But you know, look, it's like I know we did the the Shakespeare week, but I've had this thing 
in my head since London about some things that I learned. Um, so I, I took Caden, we went to the Globe Theater, which mm. is a really interesting experience. And I'm gonna just sort of hit you guys with some knowledge that I didn't have when I went in. So I learned that- Had you been Globe there before? Theater, had you been I'd there never before? never been there before. Okay. Uh, so it was really like, it was, it was almost a pilgrimage, right? It was like, oh wow, this is holy ground. Um, and, uh, it's uh, it's not it's not what you expect in a lot of ways. So the tour guide was really great. He told us things like the best seats in the globe are not in the front. They're not facing the stage. They are to the side. But you still have to pay more for them. You have yes, you still have to pay more for them. Yes, but the, the acoustics are better there. Why? Because in Shakespeare's time, they didn't have complicated set deck. They didn't have really complicated props or costumes. Most of the time they would just come out and they had the script and they would read it. It is called the auditorium because you listen. It is the audience because they are listening. It was more like experiencing radio, except nobody knew what the hell a radio was because it <laughs> hadn't been invented yet. Mm. Uh, other fun things that I learned about, and this is gonna kind of tie into the movie adaptation thing of it. Um, other fun things I learned included that plays uh, began promptly at two on Sundays. Why? Because what the Globe Theater figured out was that the bell for church started ringing. And if it would signal to people that that uh, that church had begun, it could also signal them that it was time for the play to start. Mm. Now, here's the thing other than the play, which is also the thing. <laughs> there was a definite window on how long you had to perform the play. Like you needed people to be the hell out of there um, before five, right? Like maybe after four, sometime in there, because when the sun of goes Jack down- Jack the Ripper. Exactly, it's, well, it's dark <laughs> as hell. Like yeah. there's all of the stuff you sort of see in the movies about, oh, there's torches and all that bullshit. There were none, right? Like they would have to like send people out before the sun went down and if they couldn't, uh, there were like these fucking urchins who would show up with torches that they would escort people for money or whatever. And sometimes they would escort them to be, uh, to be mugged and all this other horrible crap. Mm -hmm. Now I bring all of this stuff up because whenever you talk about a Shakespeare adaptation, um, particularly the one that I'm going to talk about, it is unabridged fairly long to, to really go through the whole thing, to do every line um, you are talking about easily, okay, with like intermission and all that other crap you wouldn't have in a movie. Um, it, it's it's like Avatar Way of Water, except like all the scenes are necessary. Mm. Uh, you know, there is no way that you are going to fit a complete performance of that play into the time that the Globe had available. So every performance of a Shakespeare play in the Globe Theater was an adaptation of a Shakespeare play, right? Mm. Including um, one of my very favorite adaptations of all time. Now, it's not the one um, that you guys are probably thinking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bust out, uh, which I'm sure we can talk about on Friday. It's another Top one. Top Gun Maverick, huh? Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick by <laughs> William Shakespeare. It's, uh, it's quite something. No. Um, it is one of my very favorite, uh, not one of my, it is, it is my very favorite uh, adaptation of Hamlet. Um, it is, uh, 
Franco Zeffirelli's 1990 mm. adaptation of Hamlet starring Mel Gibson. Mm. Huh. From Franco Zeffirelli, the acclaimed director of Romeo and Juliet, Mel Gibson, Glenn Close, Alan Bates, Paul Schofield, Ian Holm, Helena Bonham Carter in Hamlet, the story of a king's death, a ghost's revelation, my uncle, a brother's ambition, a queen's passion. Have you forgot me? No, by the root, not so. You are the queen. Your husband's brother's wife, and would it were not so, you are my mother. A father's suspicion. A daughter's honor. What should such fellows as I do, crawling between earth and heaven, believe? None of us. A son's revenge. Now could I drink hot blood. choose whether to forgive or to avenge, to love, to hate, to live, to die, to be or not to be. Hamlet, the extraordinary telling of a classic tale. Wow. Didn't see that coming. When, when that particular uh, version of the film, of the adaptation, came out, I don't know that people quite knew what to make of it because it's Mel Gibson, right? Here he is. He's Mad Max. It's like, you know, he's like he's Martin Riggs. Like, who is this guy? Um, but the truth of the matter is that he does things in that performance that, you know, Olivier didn't do. Um, frankly, that Kenneth Branagh didn't do. Um, that I think a lot of others have basically missed. What's terrific about Mel Gibson's performance um, in that 1990 film is how feral he is. You believe that he is, not only that he is crazy, but that he is functional, but crazy. That he is driven by rage that is not so all-consuming that he is incapable of making choices, mm -hmm. right? It's like Gibson manages to walk a line where, you know, it's not, oh, Hamlet has gone crazy and he's doing all this because he's mad. He is both acting crazy and he's righteously pissed off, you know, and you can see it in every moment. It's like he just, you know, he just feels every line that he delivers. My God, like he's like in, you know, Gertrude's room. He is jumping on the bed with her. He is angry at her. He is playing a rage that you don't see from the other Hamlets. And when he stabs Polonius through the curtain, you know that he knows that son of a bitch is back there and that he loves sticking his sword through the curtain. He thinks he deserves it. It's just, there is something about it that is compulsively watchable. Um, Helena Bonham Carter uh, plays Ophelia. She's like, she is wonderfully, delightfully beautiful and crazy. So um, against type. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got an awesome score by Ennio Morricone. Um, and it just, it looks beautiful. It looks gritty yeah. in ways you don't usually associate 
uh, with a Shakespeare adaptation. Like everything about it is just a little bit different. Um, and I can't highly, I, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, if, if I were going to introduce Caden to Shakespeare, mm. that's what I would have him watch. And it's two hours and 15 minutes. Mm. Okay. Not that's Conscience of the King? Huh? Not, not Conscience of the King? It's yeah, exactly. It's not, it's, it's like Conscious of the King. It's like, it's like, here's like the abridged version. It's like, it is, it's, it's shorter than Avengers Endgame. It is shorter than Avatar Way of Water. It is shorter than Spider. It is shorter than so many of these like gigantic, loaded blockbuster films. And it had to cut actual real content to get there, but that's okay. Because, yeah, but it sucks when they cut the scene, when they cut the scene with the Prince of Denmark getting diplomatic immunity. I do like his use of the term sugar tits, though. Yeah, <laughs> I've never I've never actually seen. The, I, I, I remember when this came out, I never saw it. But uh, my question is, was it done in the original Klingon? It yes. was done. In the original oh. Klingon. <laughs> By the way, uh, Pete Hot Whistle yes. is in this film. <laughs> Uh, he is with the players uh, who come along and they do like, you know, the, the I love that Pete Pot Whistle. Pete Pete yes. yeah. So Pete Pot Whistle, if you're out there. <laughs> or Pete Postle's way. One no. or the other. No, 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 I know. But not on this podcast. <laughs> wow. So I, I, I um, Steve has not seen it. Um, Darren, have you seen that? Absolutely. Loved it. Loved it. Mm, see, I haven't seen it either. I, I now I'm I'm really I'm I want to see it. Yes. I, it sounds yeah, it sounds like a treat. I mean, I'm not the biggest Mel Gibson fan these days, but uh, you know, uh, I still want to see it. That that, that 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 see, this is what I love when the show is so unexpected, you know. Dude. And it sounds so it's so that was such a great like that's really interesting. Like that's what I love about the show. Like you know, the idea is to introduce the audience to new movies, but sometimes you introduce the host to new movies. And I, I just, I'm, I, I, Mel Gibson and Hamlet. I thought, how could that be any good? But as that's, that's uh, what everybody thought, and over the over time, people have kind of looked back and gone, "Oh yeah, we were completely just being a holes about the fact that he was actually great in that." He's, As, wow. he's a good actor. He's given some terrific performances he is, he is, over he is the years. A good actor. As and an a accompanying, director. as an yeah. accompanying uh, uh, bonus uh, uh, element to go along with after you've watched uh, Mel Gibson and Hamlet, um, there is a, an old uh, BBC interview show uh, on YouTube in black and white, uh, featuring a discussion between Peter O'Toole, uh, uh, Orson Welles. And Michael McClaymore, uh, the head of the uh, Irish uh, uh, Shakespeare Republican Company. Army. No. <laughs> um, but they are discussing Hamlet. And it is the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. Uh, they, are, they are all, uh, you know, experts on the play. And they're talking through it as, as if we were talking Star Trek. It's <laughs> so great. Wow, to listen that to sounds that. great. Yeah, look it up on yeah, YouTube. And Gloria Shakespeare's Spurts. It's great. Spear Spurts. Yeah. Spear Spurts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I still think that the show we did on Shakespeare movies, which I had zero expectations for, ended up being like one of our best episodes. And here's the thing. I will catch for the conscience of the king. Is... Um, uh, this episode, I, I, you know, to tell... Go behind the curtain. Pull back the curtain a little. So last week... As listeners of the show know in our season premiere, 
we're talking about Tom Cruise movies. And somehow we really didn't talk much about one of his best movies. Um, a few good men, the Aaron Sorkin, yeah. which is based on a play, yes. really good play. Fantastic. You know, uh, I think Stephen Lang played the Nicholson role on Broadway. He was amazing. Mm -hmm. Nicholson is amazing, obviously in the, the movie. And we like, and we were going to do another superhero week. And instead we said, you know, we should do a play week because we haven't done that before. And then, you know, kind of like my thought was I wanted to do it. We all wanted to do it. It was a great idea. And it was all because we'd kind of forgotten about a few good men. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to be really difficult. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, plays. I'm a movie guy. I'm not really into play. And then I started to think about it. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. it was so difficult it's so, so many good some of my movies. favorite movies are based on plays yeah yeah, yeah. i know i know before in the podcast yeah it's it's funny because i having seen i guess a lot more plays than you guys because i was from new york there's a ton of plays that could have easily been on the show but i like the plays better than the movies so like i don't you know like amadeus i like the play better than the movie little shop which we now know is not i like driving miss daisy i saw i like the play better than the movie other people's money. And then there was the Neil, um, uh, Neil Simon, um, Brighton Beach Memoirs and Biloxi sure. Blues, which I also like the plays better than the movies. Hmm. So it's like I started eliminating stuff left and right because I just like the plays better, better than the movies. So when it comes to Thursday, I'm like, what am I going to pick? Because there's so many great choices. So I picked <laughs> a few I picked good men. It's not just an experience. Yeah. It's not just experience, but it's an incredible simulation. Of course, I'm talking about Beatlemania. No, I'm not. <laughs> Beatlemania, I saw for my 10th birthday at the Winter Garden Theater. It was, for those who don't know, it was a huge phenomenon in New York where four guys who looked and sounded like the Beatles would perform Beatles songs in front of a bunch of videos of like the 60s. And um, I love this. First thing I ever saw on Broadway was at the Winter Garden Theater, 10 years old. And it got me into the Beatles in a huge, huge way. Um, and then it was released as a movie, uh, which is terrible. It's 90 minutes. I think the play was like three hours and the movie's like 90 minutes. It's awful. So anyway, um, so, so many difficult choices. So many difficult choices. And narrowing it down, I mean, it's nearly, it's nearly impossible. I mean, you know, you all, I mean, we all love Casablanca. That's based on a play. But is that really right for play week? Because the play is not anything special. No. It's the movie that's special. No one has seen that. Right? No one's yeah. seen the play. Everyone comes to Rick's. I don't even know if it was produced before. I think, I don't, I don't know. So it's like, I, you, Casab it's doing Casablanca a disservice. Um, play I love that um, I always... Whenever I, I'm trying to explain screwball comedy and how banter should work, like on a TV episode I'm doing, um, I always give them the Philadelphia story to watch. Sure. Just to, this is like how you should banter. This is how you should say dialogue. It's George Cukor, but it sounds like Howard Hawks. It's like, pa, 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 pa. you know, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, and Catherine Hepburn, which is it's so great. And, um, but um, I didn't pick that. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like, I don't know. Even though we say we freed ourselves up to pick movies we haven't picked before, I've tried to not pick movies that we've picked before just because, I don't know, um, to prove we can do it. Because I think I can do it. <laughs> um, and I think we we we, we picked La, La, La Liaison's, the Dangerous, Dangerous Liaison's before, right. Stephen Prier, which is one of my favorite, 
favorite movies. Can't say enough good things about it. So, so I this time you're picking Valmont. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. That's really funny. No, I'm not. I'm picking um, Peter Morgan, the great playwright, uh. Frost Nixon. Good evening. I shall resign the presidency at noon tomorrow. This is an historic day, the only time a president has ever resigned from office. Nixon knew about the Watergate cover-up. The man who has committed the greatest felony in American history will never stand trial. I've had an idea for an interview, Richard Nixon. You're a talk show host. I spent yesterday watching you interview the Bee Gees. When they terrific. <laughs> Why would I want to talk to David Frost? I got half a million dollars. Really? <laughs> Frost has hired three crack investigators. Can I be crack one? Can I be deep crack? <laughs> Can I shake his hand? After everything he's done in this country? Are you kidding me? Oh, pleasure to meet you. Mr. President. That was devastating. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to get over that. Frost is just not in your class, sir. You're going to be able to rebuild your reputation. This entire project is a joke. I do hope that isn't coming out of your own pocket. I wish my pockets were that deep. I'm in this for everything I've got. There's a reason they call him Tricky Dick. Stand by to roll tape. You had a pleasant evening last night? Uh, yes. Four, three, two. To do any fornicating. And Hugh David. Uh, uh, the American people need a conviction. I'd like to give Richard Nixon the trial he never had. Democracy depends on it. We're not going to let that happen. We're going to make them choke on power and glory. Why didn't you burn the tapes? I didn't want to take any questions on Watergate. Shut it down. I will ruin you if it takes the rest of my life. What have I done? If in this interview, Nixon exonerates himself or that would be the worst crime of all. Three. To Hugh David. Are you really saying the president can do something illegal? I'm saying that when the president does it, that means it's not illegal. I'm sorry. Interesting. Uh, um, Ron Howard's adaptation. Uh, it's about uh, David Frost and how he snagged Richard Nixon for a series of interviews um, in which Nixon sort of accepted culpability for Watergate, kinda, but it's um it's a great movie. Franklin Jello plays Nixon, and there have been so many terrible um uh, performances of Nixon over. I mean, I hate in Watchmen, the guy who plays Nixon is terrible. Um I, Nixon, it's always done badly. Frank Frank Langella, even though he doesn't look like him, just sort of captures Nixon. And Michael Sheen is so great as David Frost, mm -hmm. who basically puts everything on the line. Uh, to snag this interview, but he's never been taken seriously because he's like Simon Cowell or something. It's kind of and, a story you know. of how we got Frakes on the Trexperts. <laughs> I don't know what that means. So, uh, but it's it's really well directed. It's probably my favorite Ron Howard movie, actually. Come to think of it, mm. um, and it's it's really a, you know it's a tight little movie. Um, I, I I never saw the play, but I assume it opens it up a bit, which I think all good movies sort of do. Um, they open up the play. You know, it's sort of movies that you know, like the original Dracula 
is really claustrophobic. You know, you can tell it's a play. Um, you know, a lot of these movies, Petrified Forest or Humphrey Bogart, you can tell it's a play. You know, they're small. And and I thought Frost Nixon did a nice job, not getting too big, but but also, you know, being true to the spirit of the play. But, uh, you know, just telling a really compelling um Really compelling, interesting, especially when story. Nixon sneaks in and uh, and sucks uh, uh, Frost's blood. Yeah. Well, of course, <laughs> what you're alluding to is Frank Langella was a huge Broadway star yeah. and was in Dracula on yeah. Broadway, which was a huge hit. And then he ended up doing John Badham's adaptation, which was not a huge hit, 1978, but um, which is not. I, I, but I remember Dracula being on all the buses uh -huh. everywhere you looked in, in New York at the time. It was Dracula, Dracula, Dracula. And Franklin, <laughs> everyone was talking, oh, he's so dreamy, uh, Franklin Jella. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, he was big in Dracula. But I think he's terrific in Frost Nixon. And um, I think it's a, a great little film and a great adaptation um, uh, and, and a movie that a lot of people don't know about and haven't, haven't, haven't seen. And Rebecca Hall's in it, who I've always really liked. She was in, uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona for Woody Allen. Um, and, uh, just, a, just, just a terrific little movie with some great dialogue. Everything Peter, Peter Morgan is just, you know, he's like an Aaron Sorkin, you know, just his dialogue, he just leaves you in awe. Oh, yeah, no, that's a that's a good pick. I uh, I I saw the movie when it came out, and I really liked it. And uh, I think it's definitely a movie that uh, is worth worth your time to see if you haven't seen it. It's definitely worth seeing. The performances are wonderful. And you know, you don't want to kill yourself after it. Like I, you know, I almost <laughs> picked um, Mike Nichols' adaptation of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with yeah. Burton mm -hmm. and Taylor, which is an amazing achievement and brilliantly directed. And George Siegel's in it. And uh, mm -hmm. but it's you like it's so because you kill yourself at the end. But it's so depressing. Yeah. It's so depressing. And it was just like I don't want I don't want to pick that. Like as our most it, popular plays. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, but I just, you know, that's why I didn't want to go with something that was that depressing. Even it's a very impressive, you know, it's it's Mike Nichols' first movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's it's, it's gorgeously shot. That I mean, uh, Burton and and Taylor are fantastic. I mean, Elizabeth Taylor, you know, kind of had this reputation because you know later on that she's like really soapy and you know Cleopatra, but she's amazing in that yeah. movie. Um, and they're uh, both fearless in it. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Especially because at the time they were in the spotlight for their true life, uh, you know, uh, affair. And, um, you know, the, so the, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's very impressive. And, you know, for Mike Nichols at that point, who'd been the toast of the, the Broadway stage, to then come and do this movie. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's sort of the end of the, towards the Hayes Code era. And, you know, what they get away with is just, you know, very, very impressive. I mean, I think it's a great work of art, but it's not, again, it's not, you know, it's like on the 430 movie. I don't want to watch it on the 430 movie. You know, uh, <laughs> I want to watch Frost Nixon. <laughs> you know, stay frosty. Have you seen Frost Nixon, <laughs> Ashley? I have seen Frost Nixon. I liked it. It was good. Um, you know, and it's like, and I totally get why you picked it um, because you're right. Like the dialogue in that movie is, Terrific. And Ron Howard does the most important thing a director can do when he's Stay got the way. a couple of actors with great dialogue. He gets the hell out of the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because Frost, you know, David Frost 
you know, he he's taken on his whole burden, his personal finances are taken, everything, and he's not like in taking the whole thing seriously. And he's basically it's like a a prize fight. He's getting the shit beat out of him by Nixon, and then you know, really, you know, at the end. He kind of realizes he has one more round to go and he has to win that round. And suddenly he starts taking it really seriously. And, you know, he does his homework and he goes, you know, for Sam Rockwell's in it. And, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of great, uh, supporting actors in it as well. And, uh, and, you know, and then that's, it's like a, like a, a prize fight. It's like Rocky or, or, or Raging Bull or something. And that, you know, when they're doing the interview at the end. So, um, I, I just, I just, I, re- I really like it. So okay, so I, I, I'm not as I'm not as big a fan of this movie as you guys are, because um, I think some of the performance is a little over the top and and lapses into pantomime occasionally. But it's uh, it's certainly like you said, it's one of uh, it's one of Ron Howard's best uh, best directorial uh, 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 attempts, and uh, it, it's uh, it's it's memorable. In the fact that it doesn't screw things up too badly, um, I, I enjoy I enjoy the film. It, it's just, it just gets a little too much from time to time for me. Well, and there's so many other choices oh for my us God. on Friday. Tons. I don't even know where to start. So we'll start with Steve Melching. Um, <laughs> well, my, uh, yeah, my my number my number two pick um, uh, is just such an energetic film filled with wonderful dialogue uh by the great david mamet oh yeah uh, first prize <laughs> is cadillac second prize set of steak knives third prize and is that's, fired and that scene wasn't in the play that was, was written not. specifically that, for the movie yeah that character alec baldwin uh that character and that's that speech was 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 made for the movie because uh apparently they they felt the running time it wasn't going to be long enough so they needed to add add another scene and it's probably the most memorable scene in the movie yeah uh, I, I revisited that one last week too and i've always been a fan of we're talking about glenn gary glenn ross mm-hmm. by david mamet um and uh just a really terrific movie with just a stellar cast i mean you can't do better than you know al pacino and and jack lemon and and um um, Alec Baldwin and Kevin Spacey, <laughs> I guess all these terrific theater actors. I almost picked that to be honest. That came very close. I I, thought that I love good. that movie. I love it. I love the dialogue. I love the cast. Um, you know, they didn't open it up too much. You know, there's a bunch of shots in Brooklyn of the the, the train going by, and you know, the mostly it's mostly all in the office and uh, and the bar. Yeah, but, you know it's Pacino and Jack Lemon and uh, Kevin Spacey, and it's just phenomenal. And I, I even when I go, I'll just watch the Alec Baldwin scene sometimes. Just go and watch that, and it'll be be done. Um, and it's just it's so quotable, you know. It's one of those, uh, you know, the Glen you got the Glengarry leads. Coffee is for closers. ABC always be closing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. If I had a, a dollar for every time somebody's quoted Glengarry Glen Ross. It's amazing because it does show the power of movies versus plays because, yeah. you know, people knew the play, I think, you know, they knew Mammoth, but it, it wasn't until it was a movie that it's like this pop culture staple, you know, that everyone, most people know and quote. Well, movies are definitely mass media. Yeah, That's yes. the thing. A, a play, no matter how long it runs, 
uh, it's never going to get a tenth the. the I, I disagree because Hamilton, will. like Hamilton, My Fair Lady, these are things that were huge. Grease, yeah, but know, still, huge but still, they plays. they weren't they they aren't put into the into the zeitgeist like a, a movie is. I mean, that's mm. just the fact. I mean, the, the way movies used to be. But yeah. I mean, that's I mean, certainly, I think that's that's true when you're talking about um, you know a, a national audience or even a, a global audience, right? Because there's only like, there's only so much you can do with a performance, but mm -hmm. you know, the, one of the movies that I thought about uh, for, for Wednesday, uh, simply because of the history was uh, the Disney adaptation of Peter Pan. Why? Mm. Because Peter Pan and Wendy, the original play that, stage that play. was written yeah. for the stage it performed at the Duke of York's theater um was really the first blockbuster uh and yeah. it became uh, just an insane success on word of mouth when they opened that play they had no idea if anybody was going to like it or want mm. to watch it they were doing things that people had never done before like flying peter pan around mm -hmm. like on a rope they had never really done stuff like that before with mm -hmm. rigging like that complicated they cast a woman in the role so that it would hold her up um and it was you know it was just one of those things where you know they get like you know these these like very sort of staid sort of theater goers who all sort of show up you know for the to see the play and they don't know what the hell is going to happen but like but to hear them tell it at the Duke of York's theater, that when they brought the first audience in and Tinkerbell, who was just a special effect, mm -hmm. she was like lights and bells, who they credited as an actress who didn't exist. Tinkerbell. Um, when they, when they, uh, when she died, like there was a silence. But when it's like the whole, I do believe in fairies and the clapping, this entire audience full of old dudes, old British dudes, like to start. Clapping to bring back Tinkerbell. To bring back the that, little light the power on a, on a of string. This and I think like why that translated so well um, into film, because what it tapped into in a way that I don't know um, had previously been tapped into in this way before, was it, it turned theater into a participatory experience mm. in the way that film is a participatory experience. Even though we've got our butts in the seats, we're not actually in the action scenes, we are so surrounded by it that it's creating this illusion of being illusion, present. Michael. The, the stage play did have aspects of you know the British tradition of pantomime that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. uh, which includes audience participation, and it yeah. absolutely uh, brought those into quote the more serious theater, uh, even though it wasn't a serious subject at all. But it you absolutely know what else did, which was that. a huge play in New York, Mum and Shots. Remember Mum and Shots? <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was huge. Everyone yeah. talked about Mum and Shots. <laughs> You know, um, any, any actors toilet pulling paper toilet skip. paper off their head. <laughs> yeah. I I was totally wrong. I you know I was going to trying to guess what you guys are going to pick, partially so I don't pick the same thing. I was sure Steve Melching was picking the Lion and Winner. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah. Steve was, was picking. On my, was on my short list. I thought Darren was picking a few good men. No, and then you know Ashley, it's hard to figure out, you know. But I was kind of thinking maybe he would go with Little Shop of Horrors, which we now know is Wrong. not eligible. Yeah, I thought yeah. Darren was going to go Odd Couple. 
Yeah, I, me too. I did think that at one point. Yeah. I, I, that's definitely a pick for Friday, um, I, which is a terrific adaptation. It's, it's an amazing and, adaptation. Oh Again, and, Jack Lemon, who's you know awesome in anything. And then it was awesome. The uh, Double Take Pigeon Sisters. Yeah. <laughs> um, I almost picked Biloxi Blues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you? Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Again, well, I like the play better in the movie. That's the great thing is, is so many of those Simon plays uh, are really well done as films. Uh, mm -hmm. They they may not be as uh, as uh, effective as the stage play, but uh, I think that the the writing holds up and the the casting in all of the film versions are impeccable. Well, remember in the seventies, he was huge. You couldn't throw a rock without hitting a Neil Simon yeah. movie. There was like California Sweet yep. and all those films, and they had these great casts and everything. I mean, you know, he was a huge playwright, successful playwright. It gave I, Alan you know. Alda something to do in the summertime when he wasn't shooting uh, Mash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. I just I just happened to watch the Goodbye Girl that mm. I'd never seen before. You know, written by Neil Simon and you know with uh, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, Richard Dreyfus. Marsha Mason. Marsha Mason. Well, we, you know, we didn't talk really or give it to do because I know we're not big musical fans or I certainly am not, but like My Fair Lady, Guys and Dolls. Yeah. Um, you know, all, so of the, all of the Rogers and Hammerstein, uh, you know, uh, Shenandoah, uh, Oklahoma, all the stuff. Carousel, uh, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, even uh, Showboat. Yeah. Uh, well, my my number third, oh, my number three river. <laughs> my number three pick was a musical, Cabaret. Oh, oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Love Cabaret. A terrific yeah, good, movie. Good. That would have been a good choice, Steve. <laughs> it <laughs> could still, still be a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Friday. That's the beauty. Yeah, yeah, Come and bienvenue. <laughs> and it was, you know, and then and then you have, you know, the classic plays like Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and then yeah, I'm surprised. Oh, there's the other thing I thought Darren was going to pick. Mr. Roberts, I thought maybe he was going to pick. Again, that's also was on my list. And Mr. Mm -hmm. Roberts is a amazing film based on an amazing play. And it's it's so much, uh, again, the casting in the film is so spot on. Uh, you know, again, with Jack Lemmon uh, yeah. being absolutely amazing. Um but uh, another one that I, another couple that I was thinking of were that I had picked before. Noises off. Oh uh, yes. And uh, uh, sleuth. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are amazing films, both of them. Uh, it's not too and, late to go for Death Trap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I saw Death uh, Trap on Broadway. It was great. And the movie's terrible. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's how what it goes. About, uh, I love that play. Will success spoil Rock Hunter? I believe that was also absolutely, play. absolutely. Uh, Darren, Darren introduced me to that film. Mm, I remember we we did that at uh, that was where it was like not guilty pleasures. What did we do at your house? No, it was, uh, it was it was hidden treasures. It was hidden, tre mm, hidden, hidden treasures. treasures. Yeah, yeah. And Steve, what did you show for hidden treasures? Oh gosh, I don't remember. Um, I remember. Oh, you know what? I showed T Men. Oh, T-Men. Oh, yes. I think I showed T-Men. And I actually showed um, the last 10 minutes of uh, the 68 Casino Royale, I think. Oh where I showed the Woody <laughs> Allen scene from Casino Royale. And then I think T-Men was my hidden treasure. If I, if I oh, don't... No, it was The Last Command. It was The Last, the last Command. Oh, last command. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silent. It, Save it for Silent Week. If I yeah, don't yeah, mention yeah. one of my favorite musicals, I'm going to uh, be angry at myself. What? What is it? Um... Uh, it was huge on Broadway. It's actually mentioned in the apartment as well. No, no, it's not in the apartment because um, that's Music Man. 
but Music Man is another one. Uh, mm. But um, how to succeed in business without really trying? Oh, uh, mm -hmm. yes, uh, Rob and Morris, Robert Morris. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's uh, it's one of my absolute favorites. And Robert Morris is, you know, was uh, absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, and he was amazing in uh, Mad Men. Absolutely. Um, you know, another thing is another one I saw that I like to play better in the movie, Six Degrees of Separation, the Will Smith's oh. first big breakout oh, role yeah. in, in, in that. But I, I love the play. I didn't particularly Kevin like Bacon, the movie. Right? No. No. <laughs> the only hey, reason Kevin Bacon is murder? there is because he rhymes with separation. Oh, <laughs> are you a, a dial, dial M for M? murder fan? I do. Yeah, I like dial M. I I, uh, I have the 3D uh, Blu-ray of it. I haven't watched it in 3D for yet. For murder, but, uh, dial M. And less, <laughs> lest we and forget. Rope, Rope was also a play. That's true. That's right. Good point. Lest we yeah. forget Dark Victory. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. From our, uh, Chris, our Secret Santa episode. Uh, yep, and yep, another that's right. secret Santa that I, I watched uh, for the first time this week. Oh, I forgot. I think I have your disc of it. I forgot to give it back to you. Wait until dark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I was going to mention that. We, we, again, we picked Wait it on the show before, great. which is fine. We could repeat it. Wait until dark. So, uh, it was a great, it started as a play. And it's a great movie by Terrence Young, which we picked on the show. I'm an idiot. That's Hepburn. the movie that I was thinking of. Uh -huh. oh, wait, I'm an wait idiot. Till dark. Yes. Oh. Uh, um, we yeah, didn't I do don't know the play. I'm an idiot. I don't recall. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you're going to hear it a lot. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing I thought about was uh, Witness for the Prosecution, mm. which uh, mm. Billy Wilder turned into a terrific movie with Marlena Dietrich. Um, and I really love that movie. But uh, again, you know, His Girl Friday also, Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant, yep. fantastic based on the the stage play. Um, and the front page, um, but uh, another you know. one on my short list. Uh, you must love the little birdies to give them this to perch on. Yeah, Steve Martin's Roxanne. That's true. Oh Cyrano yeah, Roxanne's a great movie. That doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. I'm glad he's going through this renaissance now with only murders in the building. Yeah, and he did that great Super Bowl commercial too because. And I said this before, I'm not a big fan of his stupid period, his King Tut period, his 70s, late 70s. <laughs> but boy, I love him when he became a more serious comedic actor, like, you know, the L.A. Story era. And Roxanne yeah. is yeah. terrific. Yeah. She's yeah. terrific. Look, we're we're forgetting a huge one. What? What? One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 We I thought one flew over the cuckoo's nest started as a novel. Oh, it did. Right. I think but you're right. The play happened in 1963. But it started as a novel. So it's really a play based on, I mean, it's a movie based on a book. Yeah, but no, it's based on the play. Is it? But it's based it. on the book. The play is based uh, on the book. I think that's a little nitpick. By the transient but, properties no. of yeah. therefore and their art. And uh, <laughs> like, we don't need more. We don't need more of these. It's yes, like, we do. Anything we, we can need eliminate. More. We need many more of these. All I know more. is my Beagle shot color had four settings. Low, medium, high, and one flew over the cuckoos. <laughs> um, was, that, was that from Peanuts? <laughs> I, 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 I like Chaz Palminteri's A Bronx Tale. Good little yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. Now based on a play. Um, Another one that I revisited this week. Uh, not a good movie, but very stage bound. Uh, 12 Angry Men. 
Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A terrific Definitely. movie, but, you know, by virtue of what it is, it all that takes place in a single room. <laughs> and I may be the only fan in the world of Julie Taymor's Titus based on Titus Andronicus. Oh, I like Titus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Starring okay. Christopher he Titus. Here, here I know I liked you. Anthony Hopkins, right? He was yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. love that play because I'm a maniac. It's like, it's basically Shakespeare's serial killer movie, but. Yeah. You know. yeah. I mean, that's your kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What about um, uh, the, the Rocky Chainsaw Massacre? Is basically what it is. Wasn't the yeah, Rocky Horror Rocky Horror Picture Show? Rocky Horror Picture Show based on the play, yeah, of course. Absolutely, yep, yep, or musical. Yep. yep, but not Shock Carter. <laughs> not, <laughs> shock. What is it? What's the sequel? The terrible sequel. Shock Shock Carter is a, uh, a Fuller movie. Sam Fuller shock movie. Carter. Shock Shock Treatment is the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show, or Shock Treatment Strikes Back. Um, so, I, wow, I'm going to I'm going to uh, suggest that we go to the original inspiration for this episode for Friday, good men. and and pick a few good men because we're I never going to come with a consensus for, for everything else. Uh, <laughs> well, or Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, I would go with either of those two, but I think like there's some wisdom in. I, I agree. It inspired this episode. It's a great play. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, deep down in places you don't like to talk about at parties, you want us on, on this podcast. You need us <laughs> yeah. on this And it proves podcast. your point. Nobody was quoting the play, but everyone still quotes yeah. that movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Did you and, order a uh, code red? You're damn right. I ordered a code red. <laughs> <laughs> Did you order a diet coke? <laughs> Plus, not only that, um, you know, Naomi um, said to me when I told her we did Tom Cruise week. She said, "Oh, well, you said you must have picked a few good men." I said, uh, nope. "No, there and is a I, great." But we did pick losing it. <laughs> well, I, I was just gonna say, and she asked me what everybody picked, and and normally I, you know, I don't tell her. But she really wanted to know, and I said, "Okay, just this once, Kay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know." And I told her what we. I, I told her, I told her uh, the, the, um, uh, you know, what everybody picked, and then you know, I get to Ashley, and I said, "Oh, and Ashley picked." Uh, well, I shouldn't tell you, and she goes, "No, I want to know. I really want to know." And I said, uh, "I really do want to know." I said, uh, "I said uh, losing it," and and she said, "Of course he did." <laughs> there is back to a few good men. There is an amazing story uh, that uh, Kevin Pollock tells about uh, when they were shooting the film, and it was Jack Nicholson's last day, and they still had to do some coverage on him in the courtroom, and uh, uh, he was uh, he was budgeted for a certain amount of money, and they were running out of time. Uh, so Rob Reiner asked Jack Nicholson to, "Can you give me a half day?" And he said. Rob, I'll do that for you. And and he stayed he stayed till noon and uh then he had to go at noon and there was no choice but they still weren't done uh with mm. the scene. They they'd right. filmed all of Jack's uh, scenes but they had to have coverage around the room. So yeah. what Kevin suggested is listen Rob, I I've uh, I've been in the courtroom this whole thing. I've memorized all of Jack's lines. I can if if everyone's okay with it, I can do Jack's lines while we shoot the coverage. And so Rob asked everybody, "Is it okay if Kevin does uh, does Jack's lines?" They said, "Sure." And so they go through all the coverage with Kevin Pollock doing his perfect Jack Nicholson for all the takes. <laughs> wow. And a couple weeks later, Rob Reiner uh, uh, talks to uh, to Pollock and says, "You know." 
Kevin, I was in the uh, editing room uh, and we were cutting together the, the uh, scenes in the courtroom. And it wasn't until a couple hours later that I realized that it wasn't Jack, that it was you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. It's a great story from his uh, autobiography. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, this episode really was surprisingly awesome. Yeah. Surprisingly. This is, this is, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm like, it's plays. I'm like, how good is it? How many? First, I thought, how many How many movies are, you know, going to be really great? And we didn't Practically talk about all of Greece. Them. We, we, yeah, I know we didn't talk about like Greece and all these other great things. I mean, it's like, you know, Humphrey Bogart's first movie, Petrified Forest. I mean, a lot of stuff. But uh, this is great. So Monday, what are we watching, Steve? Eric Bogosian will shock you in Oliver Stone's talk radio. Tuesday, Darren, it's... Unfortunately, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <laughs> Wednesday. Find out who killed them and why. With uh, Franco Zeffirelli's 1990 adaptation of Hamlet, starring Mel Gibson. And on Thursday, follow the money right up to Frost Nixon. <laughs> and on uh, and on Friday, it's uh, it's uh, you can't handle the pick. It's uh, a few good men. <laughs> ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands, ask him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. All those having business with this general court-martial, stand forward and you shall be heard. The facts of the case are these. On midnight of September 6, the accused entered the barracks room of their platoon mate. They woke him up, tied his arms and legs with tape, forced a rag into his throat. A few minutes later, a chemical reaction caused his lungs to begin bleeding. He drowned in his own blood and was pronounced dead at 37 minutes past midnight. Do you think Santiago was murdered? Private Santiago is dead, and that is a tragedy. But he is dead because he had no code. He is dead because he had no honor. And God was watching. How do you feel about that theory? Sounds good to me. I'll knock it all down to involuntary manslaughter. No deal, we're going to court. No, you're not. Why not? Because you'll lose. You want to investigate me? Roll the dice and take your chances. I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who were trained to kill me. So don't think for one second you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. You men follow orders or people die. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You! But if this case is handled in the same fast food, slick-ass, Persian bizarre manner with which you seem to handle everything else, then something's gonna get missed. In the heart of the nation's capital, in a courthouse of the United States government, one man will stop at nothing to keep his honor, and one will stop at nothing to find the truth. Two good men with the great uh, Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, and Kevin Pollack.
and Kevin Friday, Bacon. Starring last week's fantasy theme week. That's right. <laughs> Can we connect Kevin Bacon from Friday to all the other weeks? I bet we could, but <laughs> probably. You know, we're not but let's to. not. Let's let's save that till <laughs> let's save that till six degrees of Kevin Bacon week. Bacon week. <laughs> we did that. We did that. Didn't we? We did six degrees of Batman week. Oh yeah, we did. We did. It wasn't Kevin like we, Bacon. We got to do a six degrees of Kevin Bacon week. Yeah, we totally yeah. could get there. Okay. Well, look, this was a delight. <laughs> this was super fun, and we're going to be back next week with. Uh, and the winner is as we celebrate the uh, the Oscars with our picks for the best best picture. That'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, we thank you so much for supporting the podcast and joining us. We thank the great Mark Rivera. Continues to make it sound so good. Thanks for sticking it out with us. And Peter Holmstrom, who's not only picking these great clips, but also our producer. So thank you, Peter. And um, we'll be back next week. It's, it's, thank it's you, a Peter. blast You're being back it, here. Thank you, Peter. You're doing it, Peter. You're doing it. <laughs> and of course, you can follow us on uh, 430 Movie Podcast and uh, uh, on Instagram and on um, Twitter. And we're not on Post or Mastodon yet, but uh, maybe we will be one day. And of course, on, on, on Facebook. That's right. And don't miss uh, our sister podcast, The Great Inglorious Trek Experts. We're celebrating all things Trek, doing a lot of coverage on the new Star Trek Picard, which uh, I know may come as a shock to you, but season three is the real deal. It's a lot of fun. So you should check it out. Um, Star Trek is back, baby. And. Um, on behalf of the four of us, the great Steve Melching, Darren Dockerman, Ashley Edward Miller, and myself, Mark A. Altman, we say thanks for joining us. Save us the aisle seat. And Eyewitness News starts now.